We're going overseas this week to see how elite sport has been this last year on the other side of the world, starting today with Australia. Hello, I'm Mark Shardlow with 10 minutes of daily chat about the Olympics and Paralympics. And today, an Olympian, a medal winner in the pool in LA in 1984. He's also a TV and radio commentator and a man who's represented some of Britain's greatest Olympians and Paralympians as their agent. The names Becky Adlington, Chris Hoy, Adam Peaty, Richard Whitehead, a pretty impressive portfolio. And his niece and nephew, Emma and David McKean, are both Olympians too. So it's great to have someone I've known for a decade or so, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. How's life there, Rob Woodhouse? Uh, life's pretty good. We're sort of coming towards the end of a uh, of summer and, um, you know, people grumbling about the weather here because it hasn't been 30 degrees every day, but it's still been a, uh, a great summer. And it is very much uh, life as normal. There's the odd uh, COVID scare. And that has sort of uh, a few sort of consequences, but um, nothing really. And we're talking cases in you know, in the single digits uh, across the whole country, not um, not the tens of thousands that we're used to in the UK. But uh, so life is very much normal, albeit sort of I guess the new normal, and everyone's happy and going about their their uh, their normal routines. And what about elite sport? As Adam Peaty's agent, you know that Adam had an, an awful lot of time out of the pool. He had to have an infinity pool shipped into his back garden. How has elite sport been affected over the last 12 months in Australia? There was a pretty severe lockdown in Melbourne in particular for a while, but the uh, they got on top of the whole COVID issue very quickly, like uh, probably by about May, I think it was. So there was certainly a period there for a couple of months where most of the athletes couldn't, be, couldn't train in the pool. Uh, they've obviously got uh, some natural benefits, you know, being able to train in um, in, in uh, oceans and rivers and things like that instead. But look, everything's been pretty much back to normal ever since. And um, yeah, they've, they've been. Um, while Australians can't technically travel without exemptions overseas, that is, they can. Um, you know, there's a lot of competition here in Australia, and you know, we're just in the in the sort of within with swimming, we're just in the in the um, middle of, of various uh, state comp, uh, state championships and things like that. So they're pretty well back to normal and 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 getting their getting their racing in and, and, and normal training programs. You're heavily involved in swimming and you know the scene well in um, Europe and in Australia. Do you think there's an advantage to being an Australian swimmer at the moment over the last twelve months? It's hard to say, really. It's um. I don't think once uh, the swimmers are uh, ideally hopefully standing up on the blocks in Tokyo, anyone's going to think, oh, you know, the Aussies have had a, had an advantage or, or anything like that. It's just how it is. There's been there's been swimmers from some nations all over the world that have been tra- training right through. I wouldn't say it's an advantage. I, I guess the one thing one thing that's um, is pretty clear is that the Australians have certainly had a pretty clear run, um, um, you know, certainly these last sort of uh, three or four months, and uh, hopefully that'll continue into the Games. There's no doubt about that. What is the essence and the special thing about the Olympics? You've competed there, you've commentated there for the ABC for what, four or five games. You represent some of the greatest Olympians that we've had in, in GB, in Becky Adlington, in Chris Hoy, in Adam Peaty, and from the Paralympic side, Richard Whitehead. What is it that makes you want to be so close to these games? Um, I, th- I think um, in all respects, whether it's as an athlete or a, or a fan or, or being involved with media, it, it's the ultimate in those particular sports. Now, I know there are some Olympic sports where there's a debate about whether that's the ultimate competition for them. 
but in those, um, I guess, more traditional Olympic sports such as uh, cycling and athletics and swimming, it is the ultimate um, uh, goal and the ultimate achievement to, to stand on the podium at an Olympic Games or a Paralympic Games. And um, and the fact that they are only held every four years, um, the majority of athletes really only get one opportunity. Um, a very small number get two and then an infinitely smaller number get uh, more than two opportunities to compete at these games. So that's what makes it special. And it's it's all about pretty much a whole lifetime build up to, to one moment in time. And um, if you get that moment right, then it's something you will never forget for the rest of your life. Um, if you get it wrong, it's also something you'll never forget for the rest of your life. But ideally, it's a positive. Can you rank the best moments for you, whether it's you competing, seeing your niece competing, seeing the stars you represent competing, or just seeing the best in the world? What, what, what would be your Olympic moment or Paralympic moment? Uh, I, I know the Paralympic moment is where Richard Whitehead's 200-metre win in, uh, in London in 2012, being in that stadium and that roar that went around the stadium. Uh, uh, that's probably it from a Paralympic point of view. But uh, to be honest, Mark, there's, there is so many great Olympic moments. And, and I guess being there as an athlete is at my own personal moments. And, and they're, they're things I'll never forget, even uh, uh, 30, 40 years on as it is now. But um, there's so many moments um, from the athletes that I've worked with um, to family members to people that I didn't even know. From an Australian point of view, people like Kathy Freeman or in the Winter Olympics, Steve Bradbury, who won Australia's first ever Winter Olympic gold medal in extraordinary circumstances, through to some of the legends like a Michael Phelps or a Carl Lewis and Nadi Comaneci and things like that. And um, you remember moments in time that, you know, I personally remember moments that, that inspired me, you know, watching the 1976 Olympics inspired me to say, well, I want to get there one day. Um, and um, and that's the great thing about the London Olympics uh, from a UK point of view is that has inspired many, many people to to either continue their journey or start their journey um, in elite sport. And, um, and, and we're now seeing some of those people come through and, and, and be on podiums themselves, which is just wonderful. You just evoked a memory there for me. You mentioned Steve Bradbury. That was the speed skating incident, was it? Yes, yes, it was. Um, 19 years ago, uh, only a couple of weeks uh, past, actually. It is go- it's gone down in Australian sporting folklore as uh, Bradbury's chance. They, they, uh, they, they um, talk about, you know, when a bit of luck goes your way. And Just remind us of it, Rob. Well, he, went, he made the final and um, it wasn't even his main event. He was retiring after that final. He'd been, he'd been representing Australia for 15 years and, and come very close. He'd broken his neck. He'd had all sorts of injuries and he, he'd had falls himself. And, but he persevered and this was his last chance. And he, he held back because he knew he wasn't the same level as those top two or three in the world. But he was obviously very, very good. But he held back um, uh, through the race and in the very, very last corner with 15 metres to go, uh, all four competitors took each other out and he basically had to jump over one uh, virtually to uh, to cross the line and he won won the gold medal, which was Australia's first ever Winter Olympic gold medal. So as you'd imagine, we celebrated long and hard. I love that story. And I think that's the thing about the Olympics and Paralympics. So it, it's story-based, isn't it? It is sport, but it's it's humanity as well. Yes, very much so. And it's, look, it's, we remember the winners, but sometimes we remember the, the losers as well. And uh, even going back to um, uh, the Sydney Olympics in 2000, it, it now seems such a long time ago, but, you know, those memories are, are still there. And I remember my parents talking about the 1956 Olympics in, in Melbourne. I think the, the first date they ever went on was uh, at the opening ceremony of the 56 Olympics. So they tell that story a little bit, but 
you know, people like Eric the Eel in swimming is, uh, is, is, is he's famous in Australia. Um, and he came last by about uh, two minutes in the 100 metre freestyle, I think it was. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is the stories and the circumstances and the almost uh, wins and, the, you know, the, and, and of course the great victories as well and, and, the, and the hardships that people come, um, go through to, to achieve those moments of um, Olympic or Paralympic glory. You mentioned Melbourne 56 and you mentioned uh, Sydney 2000. The last time we were together was on the Gold Coast in a Surf Lifesavers Club which was a beautiful place to have a meal just on the head of the very successful Commonwealth Games. And what do you know, this month, it seems certain now that Brisbane and the Gold Coast will host the Olympic Games of 2032. What do you make of that? Well, I think it's brilliant. Um, uh, that was announced, of course, um, recently. And it, it was interesting, the reaction here in Australia, because um, when the Sydney Olympic uh, bid was um, won, uh, and back then, the, the whole fanfare with the IOC was all about pitting you know, bidders against each other and at huge cost. And we saw what uh, the London bid went through to win their bid when it was announced in 2005. And uh, for Sydney, it was announced in 1993, so seven years out. We're talking about something which is 11 years out now, uh, but there's no real bidding process. It's done a lot differently. And so it's a bit more of a low-key announcement. It's still a big announcement. People are excited to hear, but I don't think, and particularly with everything that's going on at the moment with the pandemic, I don't think it's probably hit the um, sort of excitement levels that we felt when we um, when we knew that Sydney had won the bid. Yeah, but I think it'll be a great game. It's a fantastic setting. I absolutely love the Commonwealth Games there. So I, if I'm allowed, I'll have my plane ticket there for sure. Rob, look. <laughs> yes, great. thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> great to see you. And uh, thanks very much for your time. And all the best for, for you, um, your family and your athletes this summer. Thanks very much, Mark. Great to talk to you. And great to talk to Rob Woodhouse all the way from Melbourne, Australia, with some interesting points and interesting views there. And tomorrow we'll be crossing to New Zealand. Uh, just a reminder that I'm making these podcasts to raise money for Maggie's centres. Um, they're a network of drop-in centres across the United Kingdom and also overseas which aim to help anyone who's been affected by cancer. If you can spare a couple of pounds or so, then please drop in a donation at justgiving.com, search Destination Tokyo, or you can find a link in the show notes to this podcast. Thanks again for listening to today's edition and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.